Welcome to the Outer Limits of Inner Truth Radio Show, OuterLimitsRadio.com. I'm your host, Ryan. This is our 100th show. Thank you so much for being with us for the ride. If you like the first 100 shows, you're going to love the next 10,000 shows and the other 100,000 shows to follow that one. It is a great honor to have Mr. David Icke on our show today. If you don't know who David Icke is, he is one of the greatest passionate advocates for humanity. He is a best-selling author. This gentleman has been shining the light on the bullshit that has been covering humanity's eyes for 25 years. I think he's got an amazing heart, and he's very passionate, and he's got so much wisdom to offer. In addition to an introspective interview that we're going to do with Mr. David Icke, for the first time ever, we're going to do a forensic soul analysis on Mr. Ike, fe- featuring our virtues, three globally respected psychic mediums, and our astrologer. So, let us begin tonight's 100th show with an introspective interview with Mr. David Ike. Joining us now is Mr. David Ike. He's an international best-selling author, an incredible public speaker. He is uh, also one of the most respected uh, people in the truth movement, if you want to call it that, the movement that seeks to free humanity of the bonds of fascism, of the bonds of self-control or self-imposed control. Mr. Ike, great honor to have you with us today. Thank you for being on the program. Thanks, Ryan. Pleasure. Thank you. David, from when you began your work to where you are right now, what would you say would be the three most profound truths or the three most profound insights you've gained over the course of many years of your research and work? Well, um, I, could, I could focus on one, really. Um, okay. Perception. Everything is perception. Um, we are um, in our, our, our core state. We are awareness, a state of being aware. That's it. Everything else in the realm of form, everything that we interact with is um, a vehicle for that awareness to experience itself and and for the infinite awareness uh, which it is to experience itself. And the nature of the experience is dictated by perception. And this core, which I, I, I go into big time in the, in the talks in America coming up, um, is the foundation not only of creating our own reality, consciously creating our own reality instead of letting reality create us. It's also the bottom line of the whole um, conspiracy to enslave humanity um, under the thumb, under the jackboot of the, a few people relatively very few people compared with the target population because what we're looking at is a perception deception if you can manipulate someone's perception then they will um, basically operate within the parameters of that perception and if you look at um, the perception manipulation the download the program as I call it um, it starts well, probably before, but absolutely starts when we leave the womb. And you are then influenced in your perception of self, of reality, of the world, by your parents, who have been through the process that you're about to go through. And therefore, they, from 
the start, not through malevolence, but through thinking they're doing the right thing, they are starting your perception download of what I call the program. You then, in a ludicrously short time, after entering this world, you find yourself sat at a desk um, uh, with a, an authority figure in front of you, telling you what is, what isn't, what's possible, what's not possible, what's right, what's wrong, when you have to be there, when you can leave, when you can eat, when you can talk. And this goes on through higher education and college, um, uh, through all your formative years. And then you go um, um, out into the world um, at the end of this, and around you, you've got all your peers who've been through the same program that you've been through and thus are confirming that program is, is, is normal, is how things are. The people who've been through this program go out to become scientists, to become doctors, to become journalists, to become politicians, to become all these, um, uh, well, perception formers of, of human society. The mainstream media and much of the alternative is constantly... Um, uh, confirming to you 24-7 that your perceptions of reality, the program, what I call the postage stamp normal, um, mm. is how things are. And, and thus, people overwhelmingly um, fall within this, this, this narrow band of perception that people call normal, that people call the real world, that people call how things are. Not only that, those that have bought the uh, program overwhelmingly defend it from all challenge and all question because anyone that steps off the postage stamp consensus, the postage stamp normal, and starts challenging it and questioning it, um, they are then jumped upon, they're called mad or, or, or dangerous by, by those who bought the program. And so through this period we call life, this three score years and ten, um, the vast majority of people in the different cultures, yes, but the, the base program is still the same, um, the postage stamp normal. Um, they go through uh, life within this narrow band of, of perception. And thus, they are interacting with infinity, infinite possibility, infinite potential within that narrow band of perception. Thus, that is what they will manifest as, as experience. So if you think the glasses are full, you'll live a life in which the glass appears to be half full. If you think you are um, Ethel who works down the store, I have no power, I'm just little me, then that is the life you will uh, manifest as experience. You will pull it out of potential and probability and possibility into um, existence in your experience. And thus, the awakening is that people talk about is actually an awakening from the program. You know, we don't need to um, seek uh, enlightenment. We are enlightened. Everyone, Ethel in the store is enlightened. She is an expression of infinite awareness having an experience. But what the system does systematically, because not the politicians, they're just pawns in a game. I mean, the people really deep in the shadows, they understand how this process works and they're, they're manipulating it because they know if they get our perception, they'll get our, our, our life experience and our life perception of everything and so um, when you um, talk about awakening it's awakening from the program it's not finding enlightenment it's deleting the layers of perception limitation of perception of self the world everything 
um, that are holding us in an, a, a state of perceptual isolation from our greater um, expanded um, awareness and holding us in basically uh, a prison of the five senses. I was just going to come right to that. The five sense prison that you've uh, described so vividly and so passionately about, do you believe or do you gauge that human beings throughout history have actually had other senses, have had other means of perception, and that we're down to five because that is what the controllers have been able to get down to? And can you see see humans of the future having less senses than they do now if they – to cede power and uh, cede more of their free will to the people who wish to infringe upon them. And I, well, there's a two parts to that uh, question uh, that I just asked you, is that when you look at the way that sounds manipulated um, and visuals are manipulated, I feel like sometimes people can watch these commercials and now all of a sudden that they're seceding their, their hearing or they're, they're seceding more of their control. Uh, where do you see this going? Oh, I pity this program is not three hours, uh, Ryan. <laughs> <laughs> because I, you know I can go a lot of places from that. These are these, okay. these are very very um, important areas. Uh, first of all, let's look at what we can visually um, see, or, or or what we think we can see. Um, uh, mainstream science um, says, um, and I think it's less myself, um, that um, the electromagnetic spectrum is about 0.005% of what exists in the universe in mass, matter, etc. Visible light, which is the only frequency band that we can see, is a fraction of the 0.005%. So humans are basically blind because everything outside that narrow band of frequency, visible light, we cannot see. Now, I've been... um, studying this and researching this in, in oh dear, 50-odd countries uh, uh, for 26 years now. And it's very, very clear to me that that narrow band of visual perception that we have is not um, something that was always so. Um, okay. I, I, when, when you look at this common theme throughout the, the, the ancient world and, 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 and ancient cultures brought through to modern times through the the, the, the shamanistic streams, etc. Um, you um, have this common theme that some force intervened and manipulated human uh, genetics, and uh, you, you see the, the, the classic uh, in, 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 in the Bible where it talks about the, the sons of God who interbred with the daughters of men, etc. Um, I don't necessarily think that that was interbreeding as we as we know it, but much more um, um, high tech um, uh, genetic manipulation. Whatever, um, there there is this common theme of genetic manipulation. Now, what I'm saying and what I've said for a long time, and now I'm seeing scientists start to say it, uh, is that the body is a biological computer. Um, we don't live in a world. We live in a information source. Just as um, in front of me now is uh, the Internet on the screen in front of me and its words and its pictures and its it, it's um, um, moving pictures and its images and its graphics. But that is not. And, and basically what the World Wide Web is, is technological uh, um, global reality. Uh, but it only appears as it appears to me now on the screen everywhere else. It is sources of information which the computer decodes into what goes on the screen. Now, what I'm saying, and I go into this in detail in the in the talks, 
um, is that um, what this biological computer is doing is um, interacting with what is a, um, a quantum computer universe uh, where the, the, the information um, of the universe that we're decoding is actually encoded in the energetic fabric of, of our reality. And we are decoding that through from the waveform information uh, base uh, state through into the holographic state that we actually experience as um, the, the quote solid world we live in, which which isn't actually solid once you get d deeper into the nature of, of energy and what this solidity is apparently made of. So if you can manipulate the biological computer in terms of the range of frequency that it will decode, then you are dictating the, the visual and other levels of perceived and experienced reality that that, the, the, uh, that awareness working through that um, biological computer, through that body, if you like, is going to experience. Just as, as in China or anywhere else, but particularly in China, they can firewall off great chunks of the Internet so computers there will not decode them and people therefore will not see them on the screen. So you can do that with biological uh, uh, computers because to the force behind all this, the biological is as technological as, as the technological is to us. Um, okay. And and so if you if you if you look at that, um, I'm saying that we now perceive a a a, a much um, suppressed and and far more limited um, experience of, of of even visual reality than than we did before. Um, when when people talked in the ancient world about the the gods living among us, well, I think I think that these quote gods could be seen then. But they can't be seen now because the, the, this this narrowing of the band of what we can see and what we can perceive. Now, to go to part two of the question must take us into transhumanism, and I do a big uh, chunk in the in the talks about this because it's really really vital for people to 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 to, to grasp this. I suggest in the light of of, of current events, um, and I've got a um, uh, in in my new book um, Phantom Self. There's a chapter. It's called transphantomism and and i call it that for this reason um phantom self is what i call the fake self the illusory self the self that we identify with the 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 name the 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 race the the color the income bracket the the the, the culture these are not who we are these are what we are experiencing and what the system manipulates us to to do is to misinterpret and mis-self-identify true self, which is simply the state of being aware, um, with what that awareness is experiencing. So when you say to people, who are you? They'll give you their name, they'll give you their, their, their background, their job, their income, whatever. They will almost never say, who am I? I am infinite awareness having an experience called David Icke or Ethel down the store. Um, and and um, so this manipulation of our sense of perception through the program um, and the postage stamp normal um, has disconnected us to a vast extent from the greater self because our focus of attention is so focused on I am my name and all these labels. Uh, I am I am what I can see, touch, uh, taste, hear, etc. Um, that 
although we we are always um, in connection uh, uh, energetically with the with the greater self, we are not always in connection with it in terms of its influence um, on, on that which is what you might call um, incarnate. Now that has taken us um, into the world that we live in, where people are walking around. Um, it, with this self, this um, fake self-identity downloaded from cradle to grave that what they're experiencing is who they are. What transhumanism is doing, um, getting um, technology into the body and connecting the body through that technology to what these transhumanist maniacs call the cloud, what I've been calling for a long time the technologically generated sub-reality, is they are they are uh, planning to tune and they are in the process of tuning in incarnate awareness to a technologically generated uh, um, reality which they're calling the cloud. People like um, uh, Ray Kurzweil, the, the the Google executive and 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 um, PR man for Frankenstein, um, they are selling it as humans becoming superhuman. What they what they uh, are, are planning to do and what the the big insiders and the big names in this field know is the plan is to make us subhuman so that we lose an even more contact and influence with expanded awareness uh, uh, that we are by uh, having that that mission control, if you like, um, replaced by a technologically generated sense of perception. Uh, and and on the basis of it's fantastic, we're all going to be superhuman. They're actually coming out and saying these things openly now that by 2030 or not long afterwards, um, uh, humans will be connected to this cloud. And, and gradually there'll be more and more of the cloud doing the human thinking and there'll be less and less of the human until there's no human. They're saying this now, people like <laughs> Kurzweil. So this is where we're going. And this is what Jeez. this is what they're doing by getting people addicted to um uh, it's 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 a come on kitty kitty kitty. Uh, get them addicted to what I call holdables like smartphones and tablets. Then move them on to to to, to technology that's actually on the body. Your, your smartwatch, your Bluetooth, and and your Google Glass. And then go to the next stage, which is to put the technology inside. This is this is this is what's happening, uh, Ryan. It's it's pretty amazing, and I want to um, ask you about perception. I want to give you two different uh, examples. You have a person who has a lot of love and warm in their heart, and you have a person who is inherently evil. Now, uh, these two people, I guess, because of their frequency and vibration, they're both going to be attracted to them different types of events. A cold-hearted person may attract them more violent uh, people, angry people towards them. A, a celestial, warm-hearted person may attract a lot of love and laugh and smiles. You have those two individuals. Are both of them capable of perceiving the uh, realities beyond the five senses and if so, how can the average person start to expand their perception? Do they have to be celestial? Do they have to be cold? Are there any uh, direct processes this, well, uh, maybe a scientific matter, to perceive these external realities? Well, um, I, I, actually, the, the whole last section of the of the talks, when I, because they're all day, so you know, I, I talk a long time, is all about this. Um, again, it, it's about perception. Uh, you you just described Ryan two perceptions. One, someone coming from a point of view of love, and I, I'm not—I don't mean, you know, uh, I love you, saw, saw you down the dance hall, uh, darling. Um, I, I mean love that uh, 
we've so devalued the word love, we, we now have to put words like unconditional uh, um, and infinite in, in front of it. It's, it's that love that comes from the heart. You know, for me, um, what's happened as part of this whole hijacking of human perception is that um, the heart society that humans were before, that where we interacted with, with reality through the heart, has become a head and gut society. Um, and, and, and so now people overwhelmingly um, interact with reality through emotion, the, the gut, the belly, and, and through the intellect. And, 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 and as a result, um, override the influence of the heart, which is the connection to um, all that is and the greater awareness. Um, and, and so it, it, what I'm saying to people is, uh, first of all, well, two things. First of all, get a blank sheet of paper. Uh, symbolically or literally, and, and, and put all perceptions you've ever had aside and make every perception you have earn its place on that piece of paper, not because someone with letters after their name told you, not because your, 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 your parents told you or some teacher told you or some professor told you or some journalist told you or some scientist told you, all of which are expressions of the program and the postage stamp consensus. What, what do you feel about it? What do you feel, first of all? Not, not what do you think, what do you feel? Because um, what, what we do with, with heart consciousness is we feel. We don't think. See, thought is a very, very uh, low level of um, awareness and perception. Because what, what, um, what thought does is it, it's trying to work things out. That's what the intellect does. Um, and, and often the intellect won't believe that um, it's possible unless it's complex. It only sees complexity, and the more co complexity, the more the intellect kind of, you know, or, uh, goes into an orgasmic state. Um, but it, it's thinking, it's trying to work it out. And what do we do when we say, I'm thinking? We, we put our hands to our head. I'm thinking, I'm thinking. What do we say when, when we're talking about um, intuitive knowing, knowing? We put our hands on our heart and we go, I just know, I just know. The body language is telling you where it's coming from. And, and when you go into a, a place of knowing rather than thinking, where you know without all the backstory having to be uh, played out to justify the know, just as the backstory of the intellect has to be played out to justify the conclusion, um, you just know. And you know because you're accessing that level of your awareness, infinite awareness, which we're all an expression, uh, which does know which does not have to work it out because it does know. You're tapping into that infinite library of, of potential, of awareness, of knowledge, of knowing. And, and, and therefore, when we're filling this blank sheet of paper um, with, with what we, how we perceive, um, uh, then how does it feel? What does your heart say? What does the heart say about this? Um, and, 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 you know, if you want to go into the, into the intellect, what's the evidence to support this? I mean, let's let's look at it from this this point of view. I've just talked about um, the fact that um, you know we can see this ludicrous, laughable fraction of, of, of reality, even within that sliver of uh, frequency. The planet that we're on, um, or, or think we're on, the, the planet we're decoding into a reality in which we're on it, um, is um, is compared with the perceived size of the universe. Uh, in, in scientific terms, is, is the equivalent of about a billionth of a pinhead. So, so when, you're, when you're looking at that blank sheet of paper, 
we need to to come from a completely different point of possibility. See, one of the great ways that people are suppressed into the program is their sense of the possible is squeezed. They keep telling people that, that this is not possible, that's not possible. Come up with laws of physics, which, which are actually nonsensical um, and have been shown to be nonsensical now, but the more and more we become aware of quantum physics, um, that, that are about limitation, about it can't be done, it's not possible. And, 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 and you, you, you then um, are dictating people's perceptions of the possible by the limitations of the possible that you have, you have down, uploaded to people through, their, through this program. So we need to look at that blank sheet of paper from a completely different uh, perception of the possible. From the fact that until the 1920s, science uh, said there was one galaxy. Now they say there's between 100 and, uh, uh, and 500 billion galaxies, <laughs> right? In a few decades, comparatively. And, and I always work on the, the it's, a, it's a, something that many philosophers have said in their own words. Confucius um, and uh, Socrates in Greece. Basically, it's this. Wisdom is knowing how little we know. So when we're looking at, at, at something, that... Um, understanding that wisdom is knowing how little we know keeps your mind constantly open to all possibility. So once you start to um, open to all possibility, you're no longer dismissing things by reflex action just because they're different to the postage stamp download. And, and when you start to, to come from this greater sense of the possible, the postage stamp download and all its limitations take on the... Uh, take on the, the, the expression of pure ludicrousness. Mainstream science is ludicrous. This is why the world, the world is crazy. The world is crazy because it's, 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 it's so unbelievably asleep. It's almost un completely unconscious compared with the, the potential of it becoming conscious. And science and medicine and politics and journalism, all these things are all expression of the, expressions of this near unconsciousness that, that we manifest as, as the real world. So once we start to come from this completely different, expanded version of the possible, um, what we're doing is we are expanding the frequency range which with, with which we are interacting with this um, all possibility, all potential waiting to manifest. So what we then start to do is pull this ex uh, uh, more of this possibility, this potential, out of, of the level of uh, potential and probability into experienced existence. And what happens in our lives is, is, is they su you suddenly become uh, someone whose, whose life is massively synchronistic, where, where information, awareness uh, comes to you, where the right people, the right uh, knowledge, the right information, the right direction uh, seamlessly, effortlessly comes into your life and, and, and it, you, you start to um, see the world in a completely different way. See, if, if, you, are, if you are standing um, in a town and you are standing next to a wall of a house, your perception tells you that reality is a fuzzy red thing that's not quite it's, it's, it's not quite in focus because you're standing w with your head against this brick wall. Uh, uh, that's your perception of that 
reality. But then you start to walk backwards, symbolically expanding your um, uh, awareness of the possible. Now you can see it's a wall. Now it's in focus. And then you keep, you keep expanding. You keep walking backwards. Now you see it's a house. Now you see it's a street. Now you see it's a town. Uh, 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 and in the end, you, you, you end up at the top of a mountain looking down and you see it's a world. And, 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 and that brick that you, was, was a fuzzy red thing, and what, what is it? It's not in focus. It's part of that world, but it, it's only a tiny fraction of that world. Once you start to see the world from the level of the forest instead of the twigs, then everything starts to fit together. And as you do this, as, as you change your perception and expand your awareness, what you are doing is expanding your frequency, but you are also deleting the programs that were there before, these limitation programs that held you in servitude to the postage stamp consensus, they're now starting to be deleted. Uh, and, and suddenly they're not influencing you anymore. They're, they're not influencing you, they become hilarious. You know, I, I, every day I, I, you know, I look at the mainstream media, I look at mainstream science, uh, apart, you know, the, the cut, apart from the cutting edge of it, and, and it's hilarious. It, it's, it's, it's a madhouse. Um, but, but you only see that once you, once you withdraw from the madhouse in terms of your um, focus of attention. And it's all about that. It's all about focus of attention. There's a, um, there's a video on the internet, I saw it years ago, where um, they have basketball players throwing a ball to each other. And it says words to the effect of watch the ball and count how many times this happens or whatever. And people watch the ball. And they're, they're focused on the ball and they're, they're, they're doing what the words told them to do and they're counting the passes or whatever it was. And then at the end, um, the words come up and it says, did you see the gorilla? And, 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 you know, it's like, what gorilla? And then they play it back. And right in the middle of all these, these, this ball being played and thrown to each other, this, this, this guy in a gorilla suit walks on, looks around and walks off. And almost no one sees it. Because their focus is, is on the ball. And that is why um, uh, this whole conspiracy, uh, you know, names, dates, places, I do all of that stuff. But we, we've got to go, the, the, the alternative media has got to go beyond just that stuff. And it's, if it wants to understand what's going, going on, it's got to go into the, the metaphysics. It's got to go into these deep levels of perception. Otherwise, all it's doing is... Um, uh, walking around the, 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 the perimeter of the rabbit hole, not even in, in it yet, <laughs> to understand what, what, what's going on. It's, it's this um, f uh, hijacking of our focus of attention and our perception as a result of that, which is the whole conspiracy. And that, that is fantastic news because we, all of us, are completely in control. Once we become aware of the game and how it works and uh, the nature of us, we are um, uh, completely in control of dismantling that program and dismantling that control system because it's not physical. It's not. That's just the way it appears and plays out in institutions and in governments and FBI. It's the way it plays out. It's, it's perception. It's, it's, in the end, it's just awareness and the sense of awareness, and, and, and therefore we're in control of it. And that, that's the whole... You know, in, the, in these talks uh, in America coming up, what, 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 I'm, what I do is I go through the five sense manipulation. And I, I, but, 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 but having done that, we go into the rabbit hole. 
and, 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 and look at where it's all coming from. And fundamentally, most importantly, thus, by understanding that, how we can make a difference. And it's not stockpiling weapons, and it's not fighting the enemy, and it's not getting angry. It's getting streetwise to how we're manipulated and thus how we become unmanipulated. David, I want to thank you so much for all the work that you've done and to let people know that when you go to see David speak, he's not just speaking for one or two hours. He does a nine-hour presentation sometimes, and he really is very thorough. So I appreciate you, you being so thorough with what you've done. And earlier in your life, in your career, when you started seeing these, you started seeing the truth, you came out and you were passionately speaking about it, and people were saying that you were a conspiracy theorist. They were, they were, they were contacting you, and they were just kind of coming down on you. I was wondering how that made you feel, and why did you continue to carry on despite the enormous amount of pressure and scrutiny for the work that you were doing, especially at the inception? Well, um, what, what the, it, from, from 1990, when I had my conscious awakening beginning because it's always a beginning when people say i woke up no no you started to wake up the the the, the, the programming is 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 a constant um is a constant thing that we 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 delete um and and the more we delete it the more expanded and aware we become so i i, I started my conscious awakening in 1990 because I was a television presenter in Britain and very well known, um, when I came out with this stuff, um, particularly after 90, in 91, early 91, publicly, um, I, I went through shocking, staggering, historic levels of, of ridicule. Uh, I mean, you only had to say my name in Britain and you got to laugh. Uh, I mean, walking down the road was, was you, you, I just lived my life almost literally to the sound of laughter and distant laughter. Um, going into pubs and bars, forget it, in those years. It was just up. Um, and, and at that time, I decided I was going to go out on a speaking tour, a public speaking tour. Um, and uh, it, it was it was extraordinary. I went around universities talking about this stuff, and, and the level of ridicule was, was, was incredible. Um, but, you know, um, I, I have a phrase that I use, which is life so often gives you your greatest gift brilliantly disguised, at your, uh, uh, disguised as your worst nightmare. And, and um, deeper levels of ourselves uh, beyond the, the conscious mind um, is aware of the journey, if, if you call it a journey. It's, it, can see the, it can see the river from source to sea, whereas the conscious mind can only see the next turn on the river. And um, I didn't know um, at that time uh, when I was going through that extraordinary levels of ridicule. Um, that a few years down the road, I would be talking about some really far out stuff. Um, and, and crucial to me doing that and doing it without any question about censoring what I said or worrying about what people thought was to be completely cleared out of the prison that most people live in, which is the fear of what other people think. Because of that, most people are not living their lives. They're living the, the life that other people uh, uh, demand that they have. So that phenomenal level of ridicule was a, an enormous gift for me because it deleted all those um, uh, programs where you're looking to others to confirm yourself. Uh, and uh, what it did, it allowed me to, to, um, to in years since, uh, come out with things, write things, talk about things, uh, uh, increasingly in the mainstream media now in Australia and New Zealand, where I've just been, and even in Britain, I went, was asked on my first BBC Current Affairs programme uh, since all this started, uh, just before I went to Australia. Uh, and I can do it 
um, without any fear of the consequences, without any fear of what will people think. Because don't care. Um, what people think is their business. What I say is mine. So, so that period was, was phenomenally important to me. And, you know, once you start to awaken to your true self, the nature of we are awareness, infinite awareness, all that is, has been and ever can be having an experience. Um, and once you um, realize the scale of what's actually going on in the world um, uh, behind the smokescreen of the mainstream everything and where this world is being taken unless we uh, wake up to it, um, then there is no walking away. There is no walking away because how can you walk away and, and, and have a, quote, normal life on the postage stamp um, uh, when you, when you, you have awareness of, of, of what this is? And, and why would you want to walk away when you, you know your infinite awareness and thus you, 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 you want to make a contribution? It's, you know, you, you don't want to walk away. You don't want to run away and hide. It's the last thing you want because this, this energy we call love, um, is often perceived to be weak, you know, oh, you know, he's talking about love, he'll be doing the washing up next, he will, and all that stuff, um, when actually it's the ultimate strength, because this, this energy that comes from the heart um, it has no fear, because it's beyond fear. fear. Fear is an illusion of this reality. I go into this big time in the talks and the books. Fear, fear, fear is, is the hijack, um, and, and therefore it's beyond fear. So, it's the ultimate strength. It's the ultimate uh, um, will not will not walk away, will not run away, will not hide because it doesn't want to. It 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 it, it finds that that is the most extraordinary suggestion that it should do. It 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 it, it knows what it we uh, what 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 it's right for it uh, for, for for it to do, and thus it does it, and it doesn't think consequences. You know, it doesn't, it doesn't, I mean, the head and, 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 and the emotions, the belly, they think consequences. Oh, God, what will happen if I say this? Love doesn't have consequences. Because it knows it's all that is, has been, and ever can be, having an experience. There are no consequences. There are just other experiences. That's all. That's all there are. And thus, you have this power because that which is seeking to control us has no power over us uh, uh, short of that power we give to them overwhelmingly through fear and 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 when you go beyond fear um you you look this in in the eye uh, because you you have no fear of doing so and, and 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 it starts then to blink because it does have fear this this force this uh this this almost like computer virus which is manipulating um uh human reality it does have fear it has fear of exposure it has fear of losing its energy source, which is fear and low vibrational emotion. And just as a uh, computer virus has no power source, it feeds off the computer that it's basically possessing. Um, therefore, this, this, this um, force that's manipulating human reality has to feed off um, its energy, which is fear. Because I, I st say strongly in the talks and the books that um, this manipulative force is is what we call fear that's what it is that's why it brought fear into the world because it is fear and that's why it can only feed off fear because that's its frequency it can't feed off love because it can't make an energetic frequency connection with it and thus when you go into love 
um, in the true sense, not uh, uh, the love of attraction, the, 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 the love of uh, being, then this force of manipulation no longer has any uh, influence on you because it can't make an energetic connection to you because you're not in its frequency anymore. And this is, this is how we, 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 we withdraw from its influence, not stockpiling weapons of fighting the enemy. That takes us into it. That takes us into its frequency band. That's why it's quite happy with, um, with, with race wars and, 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 and interculture wars. It's quite happy with that. It's quite happy with, with, with violent demonstrations against the system because basically um, you, 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 are, you are feeding the beast by doing that because you're feeding its frequency. When we go into this, this, this level of frequency we call love, then we go beyond it. We go beyond its influence and, crucially, we stop being its energy source. You know, when Morpheus held up the battery in the Matrix and said, the, uh, the, the basically, uh, the machines, the Matrix, have turned human beings into one of these, that, that was actually a profound truth in terms of the human condition and the human experience. But if we come from a point of view of love, then um, we go beyond the frequency that we're feeding the beast, and thus the beast starts to lose power. Uh, and this right. is what so much of the, um, the, the alternative media has yet to understand. It's still in fear. It's still in um, responding uh, with the same energy that it's challenging. And, and, and what you fight, you will become. You will become. I've seen it over and over and over again. You have a revolution to, to, to overcome oppression and the revolutionaries become the next oppressors because what you fight, you become. They, they, they don't, this force doesn't care about that. What, it, what it, it's terrified of is humans awakening to the true nature of self and that nature of self is love. When we become what we are, love, infinite love is the only truth, everything else is illusion, then it's game over. David, thank you. Um, we just have a couple more quick questions. First off, I want to thank you for saying that. I'm really glad you addressed that with the, the alternative, sorry, alternative media. As far as the way things are, the trajectory of the human race right now, you spoke earlier that people have access to phones. They're constantly being stimulated. They can constantly be put in a lower vibrational frequency just because of the um, simulation that's out there. What chance does humanity actually have to be in a state of higher vibration if they are perpetually inundated not only with technology, but they're in that perpetual state of fear because of all the news, of yeah. all the terror warnings? How does humanity collectively move out of it when so many are locked in that vibration? And according to what you said earlier about the transhumanism, they're, they're going even farther in there. So does they humanity are. even have a chance? Yes. Do we, do we have a chance? Yes. I mean, we, we, we are – we are at a cusp. I, I said many, many, many years ago that 2016, 2017 and 2018 were going to be a pivotal period for, for, for uh, human society. Um, because, first of all, you, you, you listed many of the things that are happening to pull us further into um, oppression and uh, control. However, um, when I had my awakening, in 1990, um, I, in those very, very early days, uh, met a number of different, what you might call psychics. And I only went consciously to one because of what was happening. I felt a presence around me for a year and it got stronger and stronger. Uh, and then, it, you know, it, it went, when I didn't know what it was or what was happening. When I was in a room alone, I just wasn't alone. 
uh, and then bang, it, it it all broke out into into what 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 it became. And I went to a psychic to um, who came to me very synchronistically. I, I you know I'd been to a psychic in my life before that. And and what that psychic told me, and and what others told me, who I never actually went to see, but synchronicity of life uh, took them to me. The common theme was this: um, that that this uh, awareness wanted to communicate to me um, the following: that I was going to go out on a world stage and reveal great secrets, that um, I would face enormous opposition, but quote they would always be there to protect me. Um, one of the lines was one man cannot change the world, but one man can communicate the message that can change the world. And then, which is the point of saying this, was this common theme that there was a vibrational information, I would call it now, an information vibrational frequency coming, uh, which was going to act like a spiritual alarm clock and was going to wake humanity up from its slumber. The most awake would be affected first, but eventually this would become so powerful that um, even at that time, the most asleep would start to be uh, uh, touched by it. Now, in those at that time in 1990, there was absolutely no evidence of this whatsoever. And I gave the uh, name. Uh, I gave the name of this energetic change, the truth vibrations, um, which was the name of the first book I wrote in a daze trying to understand what was happening to me back in 1990, 91. Um, and. Um, I called it the truth vibrations for this reason. What I was told um, was that not only was this vibrational change, uh, these truth vibrations going to um, awaken people from their slumber, their coma, their induced coma, but it was going to bring to the surface all that had been hidden from humanity. Oh. And like I say, in 1990, Ryan, there was no evidence of that whatsoever. And, 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 you know, the early years through the 90s, etc., were very lonely, uh, very lonely times for people like me. There are not many people wanting to know. I mean, I, I spoke at an, uh, 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 I did a meeting near Chicago um, in, in like 96 and eight people turned up. Um, so uh, and, and that was that was sometimes a good night. I, I talked to three or four in New England ones um, and, 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 and now it's thousands. Um, and, and what I've seen. Um, as, as a kind of barometer, having been through this whole period, is this phenomenal awakening that is going on. Um, and I've just come back from Australia and New Zealand, where I did five events there, all day events, 10 hours I speak, and, and about 1,600 illustrations. And um, the, 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 the response was amazing from the audience. The, the numbers of people that turned up were amazing on the other side of the world. But I started to get on the mainstream media and, and I, I did many um, national interviews um, in, in Australia, some in New Zealand as well, um, at which I was um, asked questions because uh, the interviewers thought, well, this guy's going to be a bit of a joke. And when I was ask, answering them, I saw their faces change. They were going, actually, this is making some sense, this. And, and, and you, you were to talking to mainstream journalists. You know, one mainstream journalist saw me off at the airport um, uh, 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 saying nice things. Be, be, and, and what? Uh, it's not just the numbers. It's who. I'm seeing system people. People in Australia were coming up to me in, 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 in you know, suits and ties from, you know, business professions um, and, and, and talking about the information. Um, uh, and, and people 
in the system, who the system was was dictating to in terms of their perceptions of everything, there and so many more are now starting to say, well, hold on, what is this all about? What am I striving for? What am I getting up in the morning for? I mean, do I want to do this? What 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 is this about? And so, uh, you know, I think we're going to see. I know we're going to see phenomenal changes in the next three years. You're gonna you're gonna have um, and beyond. But these three years, you're going to have more and more efforts. And I, I will say this, more and more desperate efforts to, to push this agenda on. But you're going to see more and more people awakening to it and resisting it. You, you are. There's an exponential curve that is starting to become clear as I'm, I'm going around the world. Do you know I'm speaking in Romania in um, November? I've never been to Romania. Um, um, I don't speak Romanian. There are going to be 4,000 people there in Romania. This is a global wow. phenomenon that's happening. Uh, and um, so I'm, I'm very, very, very encouraged. So lots of challenges ahead, lots of challenges. But I, compared with uh, 26 years ago when I started out, it's dreamland now. It's incredible. And David, just have one last question for you because I wanted to let our audience know that – Stuart Wilde, who we featured, uh, we've actually um, done a tribute to him. We've, we've talked a lot about him on the show. Um, really had a lot of nice things to say about you. He complimented you quite frequently, and he said that you were right about the reptiles and you were right about your perception. I was just curious, um, how did you and did you, Stuart, ever get along? Did you guys ever talk about things? And did, you, did you guys ever share similar perspectives about the nature of reality? Well, yes, we did. I, 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 spoke, I spoke in London a lot of years ago um, to very, very few people. And... Um, uh, as, as, as we were packing up, putting the chairs back, someone said to me, you know, Stuart, well, I was in the audience tonight. Really? <laughs> um, and he never said anything. And, uh, but um, I, I read one or two of, 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 of uh, Stuart's books, two or three of his books. I, I, I looked at what he was, what he was saying. And, and uh, you know, he, 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 was a, he was a kindred spirit, really, um, because we, we saw so much of, of, of the way things are the same. Um, and then he contacted me and um, asked me to go and spend a weekend with him in uh, in Dublin, um, at which I did, uh, which was which was um, as often with Stuart. It was a wild, um, and uh, uh, you know, I I I, I love Mavericks because Mavericks they don't recognise the postage stamp uh, normal and postage stamp consensus. You know, Mavericks are people that change the world. Because you know they, they they look at the world from a different perspective, and they 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 show people that actually the postage stamps perspective is not the only possible one that that you can uh, explore. And uh, Stuart um, was someone who took spirituality and 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 grounded it in the street, um, and that is so important um, that it it becomes relevant to people's lives. You know, I, I see, uh, Ryan, so much what is called spirituality, um, which is nothing more than a, an excuse of escape to escape reality. Um, and, uh, you know, so many people that call themselves spiritual say, say of people like me, oh, you shouldn't be saying that, it's negative. No, no, awareness is never negative. Ignorance is negative. And, and thus, the, the more we know about what we're dealing with, the more uh, potential we have to deal with it. Um, if you don't know the rules of the game and how it's being played upon you, how can you deal with it? 
and and so 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 much spirituality is actually saying shut up don't want to hear it um in, instead of saying what it seems to be saying but actually living it which is let go of fear you know i see so many people say let go of fear and then they live lives of fear what is there to be frightened of in knowing what we're dealing with? You're all that is, has been, and ever can be. It's just another experience. Chill out. Um, and 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 it, you know we have to, we have to we have to be relevant um, uh, in the way we communicate information to people who um, do have challenges in their life, do live in what they perceive to be the real world, do do have lives where they're they're wondering if they're going to meet the rent at the end of the month. And what about the kids? These are valid, valid, valid concerns. They're massively valid concerns in the world that we live in. And when people are communicating what they call spiritual information, it needs to be relevant to those people. It needs to have the things that those people can do and relate to, to change their reality from what it is to something else by changing their perception of reality from what it is to something else. But it's no good just you know sitting cross-legged on a mountain or going away for a retreat. No, no, it's about, it's about standing in the street and being relevant to people. Otherwise, there's no point. Mr. David Icke, I want to thank you so much for um, what can only be described as a memorable, memorable phenomenal interview. I uh, really have a world of respect for you, sir. To learn more about David Icke, please go to his website at davidicke.com. If you're in New York... If you're in L.A., he's going to be coming back to the U.S. He'll be speaking, and he's also going to be speaking, I believe, in San Francisco. Yeah. Highly suggest coming out to see his tours. David, thank you so much. Great honor, sir. Real pleasure, Brian. Thanks very much. Enjoyed it very much. Joining us now is the Phoenix Rising, globally respected psychic medium and empath, Miss Carrie O'Connor. You can learn more about Miss Carrie O'Connor and get an incredible psychic reading done with Miss O'Connor by going to her website at carrieoconnor.com. Ms. O'Connor, what can you tell us about Mr. David Icke? Mr. David Icke is a beautiful, beautiful soul that has come to this earth with a direct purpose to wake us up, Ryan. He, that's what he came in for. That's what he had to face a lot of um, hard times when he was younger, being very shy. A lot of times you hear the stories of people that have rose to the place where he is, where he's such a... Uh, a strong light to help us get through the darkness. He helps us get through the matrix, through the veil, whatever you want to call it, to break us out of the programming. And that's his direct purpose. And, and he had to go through those challenges that he went as a shy, shy young boy, as, um, as being able to face his worst nightmare of public ridicule, and then going out and say that he was a son of a godhead and really getting ridiculed. And He's gone through the fire many times and has rose up with the Phoenix energy. So he's a kindred spirit matched up there right with Stuart Wilde. I'm not surprised that they got along so well because they have the same energy, a similar pattern because they were in the same soul group as forerunners enter here on Earth to create an energetic bridge that literally helps people get out of the matrix. Beautiful, kind-hearted man. Okay, I imagine that... Um when he started talking about this, there had to have been, I imagine there's going to be some sort of pain and suffering that was associated with all that ridicule. Mm -hmm. And when people are putting this energy out, is the pain and suffering that is associated with that, is that, is that part of the reason why 
the uh, the wisdom is able to be attained. I mean, do people generally become more enlightened or more um, attuned with the divine source when they are in a place of suffering? A lot of times that does happen when you hear people that have joined, gone into the New Age or spiritual um, uh, way. They've had to go through their own uh, phoenix to the fire or, or some very traumatic either physical illness where, you know, Louise Hay, she's a perfect example. She had cancer and she dove into the metaphysics after having cancer. So usually there is a crisis that has people um, earlier in their life be able to be at the crossroads, and that's when they really have a choice. Are you going to step into this and really become the voice of change, or are you going to be going behind the matrix? And he definitely stepped out there in a big way and has been supported. And what I'm so happy for him is when he was saying the energies of 2016, 17, 18, there's that change energy. The truth vibrations are coming down. I'm seeing the same thing. I've been hearing a drum roll since 2015 that was getting louder and louder and louder. And now we're in it, Ryan. Life is not a dress rehearsal. We are in the, the middle of humanity waking up. And David Icke is a very wonderful, kind-hearted. His, whole, his heart is just really gold, and he shines that heart energy out and that goes beyond mind ego and emotion and allows you to go break beyond the mountain matrix start seeing perceiving life very differently and so the timing of his work where he's going around the world wherever he goes he creates an energetic bridge the rainbow bridges are those energetic pathways for us to enlighten ourselves individually and collectively so he's a wonderful wonderful person that's awesome to hear you know, David, over the course of his life and career, he's talked a lot about the reptiles, and he's talked about the people who are shape shifting. And uh, to the person, average person, I guess they, they probably don't understand it, or they can't understand how it can happen. But to, to people who have, you know, are able to see things, see auras, and see energies, mm-hmm. it, apparently it's very common. Do you, have you ever seen that? Have you ever seen what he sees, or seen something similar, where you look at a person's energy field and you see them shape shifting based on what they have within their heart? Absolutely. Or is it? I've seen okay. people that turned into what look like the devil, and I'm looking in the devil's eyes. I've seen people turn and flip into what they, where they look like angels and everything in between. So people are constantly shape-shifting. And when we get attuned, we start um, being able to look at them again beyond the view of when we zip up in the physical body, we get attuned to our mind, emotion, and our, our senses get limited. So it is about an opening of perception and being able to see the person and where they're aligning their energy now. And I like to say now because we all have that transformational energy where I've seen the darkest of souls with one tiny bit of light take the energy that's coming down and break through their shadow, be able to look at it and really transform themselves. And I've also seen the opposite where people with a lot of light are getting into the dark. So um, that shape-shifting is going on all the time. And I know exactly what he's saying when there's a real cold reptilian energy I've seen where people look like they have lizard skins, or I'll see a split tongue out of their mouth, which I know that means they're a liar and don't spit tell you the truth. And um, recently, as of June, I've been looking at this energy where it's just red eyes, and it looks like um, a very black energy that would represent the collective devil or the universal uh, darkest parts of ourselves. And that energy has risen up for us to be able to look in the eyes and be able to go through it. And if you're able to hold that glance, 
all of a sudden those red eyes that are very tapped into fear, where he talks about the vibration of fear feeds us and locks us into the matrix and go behind the veil. But you just look in the eyes and all of a sudden there's a spot of light and all of a sudden that black energy is transmute and you're able to go through it. So it's facing our worst fears individually and collectively. And this energy that I see, I call it downloading of codes where I'll see geometric figures and, and different sounds and symbols and he calls it the truth vibration. We're all saying the same thing, just delivering it in a different way. And the way he delivers, it's so from his heart center that it really allows people to go beyond mind and emotion and to get to the heart of matters. And I love when he was speaking of the heart society, that we're going back to that. I heard a similar channeling myself with my guide several years ago that we've been too much in our heart, I mean our head, and we've been leading by the head. And now it's about to flip. It's like taking our heart energy and putting in our brain, putting our brain and putting the heart energy so we could be led and see through life through our heart and our, our sacred heart, where it's, which gives us our sight to going beyond the veil, the matrix, whatever you want to call it. It's exciting, and he's a very important leader. Why can't the average person perceive the shape-shifting? Why can't the average person um, visually see the energies that are, are around them? Um, is there a particular reason why the you know we all don't have this incredible perception? I believe that we I, all have it, Ryan, but when we come huh? into the physical form, just think of all everything is inside us. I'll see around a person's heart energy, the stars, the universe, the planet, literally inside of us. But we're so programmed, literally programmed, and he points out since birth, since conception, to look outside of ourselves to fill that void, that next job, the money, everything outside of us is going to fill that void in. And so that makes our, our perception very, very limited. It's like we're handed symbolic viewfinders, and they're put in our eyes as soon as we're born, and those viewfinders give us a very limited way of viewing and perceiving life. When we get to a point in our life where these viewfinders, we feel are heavy and restrictive and we just have that nanosecond of just stepping away from it and having a real view, or it doesn't even have to be sight. A lot of people um, can have it as a feeling or a knowing. Sight is just one portal of where we could get this energy. But as soon as you have it, I kept on hearing you can't unring the bell lately, especially since 2006, and that's been coming up in the readings. And David said something similar, like you can't unsee or feel something. And this is a great time where David is helping people remember that we get who we really are, get into the heart of matters. And when we step into that heart, our real sacred heart space, it gives us the energy, the foundation, the support for us to break through and start really connecting to perception that goes beyond the five, five um, senses. Miss Carrie O'Connor, the Phoenix Rising internationally respected psychic medium, thank you so much for your amazing analysis on Mr. David Icke. Well laid out. Appreciate it. To learn more about Miss Carrie O'Connor and to get a reading with Miss Carrie O'Connor, please go to our website at carrieoconnor.com. Miss O'Connor, thank you so much thank as you, always. Ryan. Always my pleasure. Joining us now is the astrophenom, our astrologer, the lovely Miss Constance Stellis. You can learn more about Miss Constance Stellis and get your chart done with Miss Constance Stellis by going to our website at constancestellis.com. Okay, Miss Stellis. What do you see in David Icke's chart? An interesting chart, to say the least. Um, (laughs) 
I listened to part of his um, interview, not with you, Ryan, but with Zen Gardner, because uh, okay. it was just on YouTube. And he talked about feeling this presence with him uh, and that that um, was a major turning point, and it was in March of 1991. So first of all, I looked at this chart. He is a Taurus, one of the most practical down-to-earth signs. And um, his uh, Mars position is almost exactly opposite um, his sun. So that gives him um, plenty of room for agitation so that, and I mean agitation in a positive sense, so that different views of quote-unquote reality, um, he, he would seek a different way, a different way. Um, but before I speak about, because he used the word clarity a lot in terms of what he's trying to bring to other people and what he sees as his mission to wake people up and to have them have clarity about what's going on. Okay, so that's just in two minutes. His moon sign is the watery sign of cancer, the ruler of the moon, and also the most, uh, let's say, tender, soft-hearted, empathetic, and um, concerned with the family, particularly him, or the family of man. And this very sensitive moon position is joined by the the out-of-the-blue revolutionary planet of Uranus. So that's called a moon-Uranus conjunction. And this is the source of his flash of lightning um, experiences where he really has been zapped by information. And I mean zapped just because it's not really anything that he controls, but these sudden insights uh, come to him. And um, it is in the position in the chart of the higher mind. So he is in touch with many different uh, realities. Um, He also is very influenced by the planet Neptune, which can be two things, illusion and delusion, or spiritual evolvement. So he may have, in his life, uh, had experiences with, let's say, the, the, the unclear and the hazy and the intangible, and they may have been positive or they may have been negative, but he kind of parted the waters and um, got himself on his own track. Uh, He is a messenger, and his message is very powerful. Uh, He has phenomenal charisma, uh, according to his chart. Libra is rising. And he has a lot of internal tension that make him absolutely, um, I got to know. I have to know. (laughs) And um, I found that, uh, you know, looking at the chart very interesting because from the short interview I watched, his call is for people to wake up and ask questions as simple as, what's going on, you know? What do you really know? Uh, what have you learned? Um, is this learning something to do with your real self? So as I was saying, um, the, um, the call to find out for yourself, ask questions, why, who, where, what, and how does this connect to your deeper self 
is uh, something that's very important to him, and I think very important to all people involved with other ways of knowing. And that's just the blanket way I, I call um, intuition, um, whatever you want to say, the new age, okay? Because really what the new age is, is going forward and going beyond the scientific method, the left brain, the, the kind of mental preoccupations that we've had for many years. However, civilization didn't start out that way. So, uh, I mean, ancient Greeks and Egyptians were a total involvement with their environment, and uh, as much as they created philosophy and all sorts of things, their um, entire worldview was homogenized. I mean, it was all together. But that's another another question. So the um, the thing that is important, because I guess he's very, very um, interested in in exposing artificial intelligence, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yep. And uh, he may be right that this will take over more and more of the world, but I emphasize from my, from his chart and what he said, if we truly have an idea of what it means to be our real selves and human then no stupid old robot is going to do it, you know? I mean, you're just going to say, what? This is a machine. doesn't matter how sophisticated it is. So the, the process of asking questions and parting the veil of, um, what can we say, illusion, um, both standard illusions and new age illusions, is a very important attribute that he has. He uses the word clarity, and, you know, this is a little bit of a personal plug right now because you know I'm I'm writing this this story about 12 orphans who become um, astro heroes, and there are two people. One is Nephos, the bad guy, who is all about distortion, and the good guy is Zelinda, who is all about clarity. So extrapolating from my story, what we have going on in the world right now is a huge fight between distortion and clarity. And I think that um, that's kind of personally interesting to me. Well, I guess the question is that, astrologically speaking, who's going to win? Is clarity going to win? Clarity's going to win. Clarity's going to win. It may take some time, um, but clarity's going to win. Because as I say, nobody aims low. They just fall. And if too many people fall, then other people will pick up the pieces and go in the clarity direction. Um, A question I have for you about Mr. Ike's chart Mm -hmm. is that because he's taken on, I would call it a considerable, I I think it's very bold that he would put this information out when you have so many people that are completely against it. So I commend him for his bravery on it. Do you feel that his chart would indicate that he is capable of trying of finding fulfillment and happiness in this lifetime? Do you feel that because of what he's doing, that is going to pose a considerable challenge for him to ultimately find, uh, I guess, true happiness? Um, I think it's a really good question. His chart suggests that he will be more um, celebrated or more known after he passes on doesn't mean that he's not doing nothing now. I mean, obviously, he's got world tours and all sorts of things. 
but that some of the, the work that he's doing will filter down a good while um, after he has passed into, into spirit. Um, and I think that the question, he doesn't really have a choice. His personality doesn't have a choice. Come what may, he's got to, you know, sing it out and um, bold and deliver the message. And maybe the message is somewhat right, somewhat wrong, um, mixed up, uh, brilliant, all sorts of different things. But he he has to he has to go forward with that to keep his own um, equilibrium, and um, he's a restless spirit and he has a lot of juice, so he has to do something with it. Um, do you think that because of his restlessness and because of his you know passion for getting at truth, do you think that there's any capacity of his spirit that feels that um, or regrets coming into this lifetime? Or do you feel that this is exactly what he needed? Mm. And I guess it's the next mm. part to that is mm. do you think he's going to be able to um, have a fulfilling lifetime, his next life incarnation, or is he done with this reality? Well, that's always tricky because all we know, you know, right now at 823 on August 16th is what we can tap into in this reality. I, I think that there's karma involved. I hate to just use that generic word. Mm that he um, has a, a debt to fulfill in terms of uh, teaching, getting a message out, and being very, very um, clear about his message. And that in past lifetimes, he may have been um, a, too much of a, a balancer and an equivocator, and uh, a maybe this and a maybe that, and... Um, too tactful, or we could say too much flattery, something like that. Uh, and um, so this time around, he's got to kind of lay it on the line uh, as it is. Okay. Miss Constance Stellis, the astrophenom. Thank you so much. My Love pleasure. your insight. My Thank you pleasure. for doing a great chart reading, Mr. David Ike. To learn more about Miss Constance Stellis and to get your chart done with Miss Constance Stellis, please go to our website. At ConstanceDellis.com. Thank you so much for being with us today, Miss Dellis. Sure, sure. Joining us now is the angel reader, past life reader, and internationally respected psychic media, Miss Laura Lynn. We can learn more about Miss Laura Lynn. Get a reading with Miss Laura Lynn by going to her website at angelreader.net. Miss Lynn, what can you tell us about your assessment and analysis on Mr. David Ike? Well, it was fascinating to say the least. I was really surprised how deep it went and quickly this energy went into this analysis. With David, it was it went directly into like Aztec type um, energy, Mayan. I went into this place that felt, gosh, like seven hundred. AD perhaps 800 AD and what I was getting was that David in this lifetime he was a male and that he was actually he is it felt like he enslaved himself and I know that seems odd but it felt like what he did was he sold himself to be a slave because of some type of hardship that his family was having and what he did was he worked himself really, really hard. He 
he was building, uh, break, breaking down these enormous, enormous rocks and and chiseling them and working them like an artist would. And he used that skill that he gained to actually somehow pay his his debt off, if that makes sense. And it was such a a feat that he did, and, and he worked so hard for his family. I don't know how this equates, because, of course, what, what I know about slavery, you can't sell yourself into slavery, but that's what I was capturing. And the fact that he was somehow able to pay this off and, 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 and buy his freedom, but it was in that lifetime that he really found what energy of being human is so deeply the torture of working so hard and and being owned by another and then going to the point of total empowerment and finding freedom so that was a a, a lifetime that really uh created a soul powerful energetic force that really propelled him to what he's about and it seems to me from what I was capturing from his soul that his essence spoke to him that he was to find ways to become uh, an energetic, I'm going to say enigma of soul consciousness and aligning to what the human aspect of life is all about in totality. You know what's pretty interesting? You brought up a, a past life about him undertaking slavery in order to pay off a debt, I guess, for his family. At this time when he um, started exploring and really started revealing what he was feeling, feeling or seeing, he didn't have to do that. He just he he did it, and I almost feel like he, he undertook it on. And I, I mean, maybe that's coming full circle. Maybe he's going to. I think he's getting to this point where he's he's shown so many people. Um, so many things that are clear to him, I almost feel like he's, maybe he's replicating the success of that previous lifetime in here, only in a different form. Because meanwhile, he could have been using his body in the past life, and now he's using his mind. He's using all aspects of his totality of who he is in order to do this. I just didn't know if that was something that resonated it with him. Seems, it feels right, what you're saying, Ryan, and it seems like every lifetime was a kind of a replica in this in a sense. It seems like he went from the depth of uh, – he, he's been very famous in past lives, and he's also went to um, – I, I did pick up one lifetime where it, it was some type of – it felt like a starvation – well, it felt like a, a concentration camp of some sort. Not that what Not like what we see in pictures from like, you know, from the Holocaust – but maybe from, I don't know, it felt like it was Asian. And he, he I mean, he, he was skeletal in this, in this lifetime. And one thing I did pick up that I felt was odd was I didn't, I didn't feel any, I didn't see any female aspects in his okay, past so life. Okay, so you didn't have a female incarnation? I didn't, I didn't pick that up, no. Okay. Are there any particular guides that he's had over the course of several lifetimes that have always kind of been working with him that have that have never come, been changing that you picked well, up? Well, 
Well, I did pick up a um, an animal spirit that keeps working with him, or maybe it's a oh, maybe it's the power, the medicine of the animal. But I do have a wolf that is. In fact, I'm hearing this, the 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 name Great Wolf, and I believe that that was actually a mask that I picked up when I'm. It's almost like a dream in this meditation, and it's. But anyhow, what I was picking up was this wisdom, and the wolf was about the pack, the the family unit, and about leadership and bravery. But when I'm really going into it this moment, I'm seeing the mask that this man takes off the mask of the wolf, and it's he is engaged with the power animal, the power medicine of the wolf. His name was Great Wolf. Okay. Well, uh, as far yeah, yes, yeah. Okay. What I am getting also is there is a Asian guide. Amato, 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 that that works through him and brings a lot of the wisdom of the different of the how people come together, unity, or how people falter. Okay, as far as what he's doing in this lifetime, are there individuals currently present in the world that have the same? Type or, or similar energy resonance, or is he part of a, uh, a group of a soul group that's coming here to have one collective purpose? I'm just curious if there's anyone out in the media right now, or people that you know, even may, he may be surprised that actually carry a similar uh, soul resonance that actually are well, doing what he's doing or actually working with him, whether they're working consciously or subconsciously. I think there's many people such as him, but I think he's braver than most. Um, I think that there's a, you know, there are, you know, people that are around you, Ryan, that, mm. you know, that, that you work with regularly that do have, a, that, that receives some of this knowledge, but I don't think there's many people that are brave enough to, to carry it out the way he does. And I think that's where he stands you know, much taller and much, and he's really believes what he believes and he's not afraid, you know, and to share it. And it's so important, you know, what he gets out now, you know, Stuart, I would say was very much with the same energy. Wouldn't you think? I mean, very, I, very similar. I, I think they're, they're both very brave and they're, they're fun. They're, they're just mm-hmm. fun and they're you know they're really captivated. They they're very good at communicating, very, very powerful communicators. Miss Laurelyn, the angel reader, the past life reader, and in actually respect to psychic medium, thank you so much for your great analysis, Mr. David Ike. To learn more about Miss Laura Lynn, please go to our website at angelreader.net. Thank you so much, Miss Lynn. Thank you, Ryan. Thanks so much. And thank you, David, for sharing our one hundredth episode yay (laughs) (laughs) good night ryan joining us now is the clairvoyant cowgirl psychic empath miss lisa casa you can learn more about miss lisa casa and get an amazing reading done with miss casa by going to her website at lisacasa.com 
Miss Kaza, what can you tell us about your analysis on Mr. David Icke? Well, Ryan, I'm going to be completely upfront with everybody and say that for a little bit, I actually had a difficult time connecting with uh, with David. It was almost like he was being protected. I just I couldn't get through. So what I did to start my analysis to get through was I looked first towards actually numerology. And so I learned that he has a life path of a five, so a number five life path. And I found it extremely interesting because it pretty much encompasses what uh, David is all about today. He's all about freedom and change. He, you know, he has a, dr- a serious drive to find answers to all of those life's questions. And his love for freedom extends, of course, beyond his own concern for his own freedom. He also has a, a very strong and genuine, he's very genuine, by the way, uh, concern for the freedom and welfare of others. I also found him to be, in his energy, very persuasive. And okay. he he excels at, at motivating people. And he actually has a very uncompromising need for freedom. So he... He won't be told what to do. And the thing is, I think that early on in his life, as a result of just his life path, um, like the energy of his life path as a whole, likely, you know, it's, you know, with his uncompromising need for freedom, it likely caused him to, for example, uh, have a bit of a struggle when it comes to a career path. He probably, you know, flitted from one job to the next before he ultimately found the path that he's that he's on today. So, but um, you know, everybody. Sorry. Oh, I'm into it. I interrupt you. Oh no, I was just going to say that everybody basically already knows. I think it's pretty point blank what his purpose is here in 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 this lifetime, and it's to broaden the perceptions and free humanity from control and deception. That's purely what he his drive is for and that's well isn't that all about freedom miss kaza did you pick up anything about his previous lifetimes yes i did there were just flashes but i found it extremely interesting now uh, again like i said it was i found it a little bit difficult to connect to him at first so i heard the very first thing i heard was quote unquote he's a star person for absolute sure and then i'm going okay so what kind of star person and again, I'm you know our listeners already know me. I'm skeptical and whatnot. I'm not too learned in a lot of things. I tend to go on my own path. But I heard uh, Andromeda that this is where his spirit originates from. Now his spirit is extremely old, extremely old spirit. And there were two past lives that I saw in particular. Um, the most significant of which being that of in ancient Egypt. And he was um, an engineer of sorts. He was there. He was one who designed and built those pyramids, the Great Pyramids. And as a result, so his spirit actually has all the answers when it comes to all of these unanswered questions about the Great Pyramids themselves. And um, what I'm hearing is how they're aligned with the constellation uh, Orion, and okay. there seems to be a connection with 
his spirit, you know, like I mentioned, his spirit is from Andromeda. Well, apparently there's a connection with the pyramids to that star system or galaxy. I I don't know. I'm being drawn to the Nile River and how it correlates with the the pyramids and everything else, but it's I'm seeing like a map, and of course I'm not understanding this darn map, but it's a, there's a, a very strong correlation between Andromeda and where his spirit is from and Egypt. And the other past life is extremely similar, and I find it really ironic in a way, is that he was also Mayan, and he pretty much did the exact same thing in that lifetime as what he did when he was uh, in Egypt. He was enhancing people's perception? Well, um, yes, it, it, in a way, like he was, like in Egypt, like he, like I said, he was like more of an engineer or a designer. He's the one, one of the ones, I'm being told, I was I was just corrected. <laughs> one of the ones that uh, engineered, designed, and built the Great Pyramids. And he also did yeah. the same thing in his Mayan lifetime exactly the same thing um all right i want to ask you how you feel about this question and that is in this particular lifetime david's very very passionate about fighting for freedom about ensuring that freedom comes not only to of ensuring that freedom comes to the masses and people experience this mm-hmm. and sometimes i guess if a person engages in an activity like they become an alcoholic and they hit that rock bottom and then all of a sudden they recover and they see the world in a new perspective and they've got extra determination to help others or they live a life in a dishonorable way. They understand, recognize their darkness and then they bring that light to others knowing that they've been in that darkness. I'm wondering if at any point in the time of David's evolution, if he was actually a fundamental component of the darkness and what he's done is maybe understood that darkness, set himself free, and is now spending progressive lifetimes, not only here, but other ones' future, to free humanity because he's in the best position to do so, knowing the system at the darkness level that he had. Is that something that resonates? Oh, my God, 100%. I can't believe really? you just came out with all of that. Yes, yeah, 100%, I agree with you completely. I think that that's wow. what Spirit was trying to get at when it was trying to show me you know, his connection with ancient Egypt and the pyramids and, um, like, the, the star system, Andromeda, it's all connected. And that's basically what that was kind of leading me to. He does have all the answers. He is in the position because he's been there, yes, 100%. Okay, wow. And the thing is, I also, being told just now, actually, that there there was a third past life where, and like I'm not getting full details here, but it's basically to conf- not real, well. I guess yeah, confirm what both of us are talking about now, is that there was also another lifetime. It was in England where he did try again to get the truth out, and this is in England, like in the times where you know the burning times where they're going after everyone for you know heresy and uh, and witchcraft, and he actually got it this time for witchcraft because of course they're not going to believe him back in those times. So definitely it's been quite the battle for him to try to get the word out there. But I think that um, this lifetime is most certainly 
much more um, successful than any other lifetime that he's had previous. And I think it's just actually the beginning. Okay. Ms. Gaza, there's a theory that's called the particle observation theory where a particle only becomes a solid matter or appears to be a solid matter when it has an observer. And David, over the course of many years, has a tremendous number of people who respect his work, who love him very much, who have been cheering him on, and they they cast their attention to him. And what I want to know is, if you look at that particle theory um, that I just talked about, would he still have the same strength? Would he still carry the same weight? Would he still carry the same tenacity, the same energy, if he had a thousand people looking at him, if he had 10,000 people looking at him, if he had a million people looking at him, or if he had no one looking at him, would he still maintain the same strong energy field and be just as effective as he is right now? Um, that's a hard question to say because it's almost what you're talking about, though you're talking about, a, like I'm understanding somewhat the concept, but the thing is you're talking about a, a, a living being, and another, like another spirit, and there is this universal law, if you want to call it a law, where you just can't manipulate a person's free will. It all comes down to the person and the spirit themselves and their willingness um, to emanate at whatever frequency. It, it um, the outsiders or onlookers can only um, uh, manipulate the energy to a certain extent. So I believe that really the driving force behind David Icke is all him. Um, he's he's like naturally drawing. It's part of his spirit. He's quite the highly energized personality as it is. So I think it's really mostly all him, more than anything. If that's what you if that's what you're trying to get at. Yeah. Miss Lisa Kaza, the clairvoyant cowgirl, loved your analysis, Mr. David Ike. Thank you so much. To learn more about Miss Lisa Kaza and to get an incredible psychic reading with Miss Kaza, please go to our website at lisakaza.com. Thank you so much, Miss Kaza. Oh, thank you, Ryan. Okay, everyone, that concludes the 100th episode of the Outer Limits of Inner Truth Radio Show. Special thanks to our phenomenal guest, Mr. David Ike. And special thanks, as always, to our virtues, Miss Carrie O'Connor, Miss Laura Lynn, Miss Constantellis, and Miss Lisa Casa. To learn more about the Outer Limits of Tooth Radio Show, please go to our website at outerlimitsradio.com. Till the next time we meet, my friends, wishing upon you an abundance of peace, love, and beers. Take good care, and thank you so much for listening. 100th show anniversary. Love you so much. Blessings and peace.